Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. Um, Glenn Power was supposed to share from the book of Daniel today, and um, he he phoned me yesterday because he was sick, uh, too sick to uh, preach, and if you know Glenn and know what he's uh, walking through, um, he's, uh, yeah, he he can't just shake it off or snap out of it, Um, he's really having to fight the good fight right now, so I got the call yesterday that Glenn wasn't going to be able to uh, preach. Um, so I immediately phoned Mark Condy and was like, hey, Mark, you, you got to preach, man. You got 24 hours. Glenn can't preach. And then I, I just thought, you know, Mark's got 40 years of Christmas sermons. You just wind him up and let him go, you know? For sure he's got a Christmas sermon. And he, he informed me that he told me a couple weeks ago that he wouldn't be here this week. That he was uh, in Santa Barbara at, this, at the clinic getting a physical, an annual physical. So then I phoned Jared and I said, Jared, you're up, man. You got 24 hours. And he said, I'm on my way to the coast because Chris Teixeira just had a baby. And uh, yeah, which is exciting. I mean, Chris... Chris didn't have the baby. I mean, if Chris had the baby, it should have been bigger applause than that. <laughs> Kathleen had the baby. Chris had something to do with it. So, I, so it's, it's me. I'm going to give it a go this morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, was, I, I just got done last week saying I'm, I'm so thankful that I don't have to preach for a month. And uh, I really, really felt empty and was really rejoicing with Tiffany. Like, I, I'm so excited that I've got a month off. And, uh, and apparently not. Hey, but but this, is, this is life, is it not? This isn't just my life. This is your life. This is life here on planet Earth. Never quite goes the way you thought it would go. And if you can plan on one thing, you can plan on having to be pretty flexible with your plan. That right about the time you settle on something like, this is great. Glenn's talking about all the confusing chapters of Daniel. This is fantastic. I'll just lead worship. Um, Right about the time you plan on on something, right about the time you settle on something, um, something unsettling happens, right? And I find that in this season, this Christmas season, we have a lot of ideas about how things should go. A lot of ideas about what family should look like. A lot of ideas about what we should be feeling, what we should be doing. We've got a lot of vision. And because we have a lot of vision, sometimes there's a lot of frustration and disappointment and discouragement because things don't go as planned. Right? And uh, so I want to open um, the Bible, not to Daniel chapter 9, 
Um, I don't want to touch that with 24 hours notice. But I want to open to Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to, I want to bring good news. Good news. What we're celebrating right now, this season, what we're celebrating is that God has a plan. That God has a plan. He's got a plan. This is, we're not just um, floating through this life. That God has a plan for our joy. God has a plan for our peace. And God has a plan to give us a new king. And um, we, we had a we had a sleepover on Friday night. It was Avery's 11th birthday, and she decided that she wanted to have a sleepover uh, with 12 of her friends. And, uh, and, I, and I bring a few girls to the equation as well. So there's a lot of girls in our house. And if you know uh, anything about Avery, is she here, by the way, before I talk about her? Any one of Avery's friends here? Okay. If you know anything about my daughter Avery, she she cares deeply, and uh, she's a planner. She's she's got a, a plan. And uh, about halfway through the party, I can tell that she's sinking. She's getting increasingly frustrated. Um, she's really ruining her own party with her attitude. So I kind of get up in her face, and I'm like, hey, you need to snap out of it. This is your party, and you're ruining your party with your attitude. And things don't change. So then we go out to the garage where I tell her, what in the world is going on? How is it possible for you to be in this mood during your party? And she looks at me, and she goes, I'm just really stressed. (laughs) And I was like, why are you stressed? And she says, because I had a plan for this party, and there are people here who are not paying attention to my plan. (laughs) And she said, they weren't supposed to go into the den until it was time for the movie, and it's not time for the movie, and there's people in the den. (laughs) And I put gummy bears out, and you were supposed to wait to eat the gummy bears, and the gummy bears are gone. (laughs) And uh, she's just freaking out, you know. And uh, then, then she tells me, Dad, I think I'm OCD. And I go, I go, you don't even, I said, hold up. Before you diagnose yourself, do you even know what that means? Do you even know what you're saying right now? She said, well, I'm just, I had a plan and no one's going along with my plan. I said, sweetie, there's like, it's chaos in our house and it will be for the next 24 hours. Good luck keeping kids away from gummy bears, you know. So I found this like piece of paper on the ground and in the garage and I, and I held it up and I was like, this Avery, this represents your plan. All the things that you wanted to do here at this party, you have a choice. You can continue to try to control what happens here and be frustrated or disappointed or you can crumple up your plan, throw it away and go have a good time because that's what I've done with 17 girls in my house. (laughs) Crumpled up my carpet and threw it away. (laughs) So, So Avery takes this piece of paper and she rips it up and she crumples it up and she marches inside and she changes her attitude. But it can be tough to surrender our plan. 
because I think deep down we, we want to be happy. Uh, we want to have joy. And, and we think there's certain ways to have that. And deep down we want peace. And there is a sense of peace that comes when things are going according to plan. And deep down we want to be king. We want to be in control. We want to be the boss. And it can be hard for us to give that up and to trust that God, God's actually interested in your joy. That God's actually interested in your peace. That he wants to bring peace. That you can trust him to bring you peace. And that he himself will be the king, will be the boss that you desire in life. I'm going to read Isaiah uh, chapter 9, and then we're going to pray. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Lord, um, you know that I haven't put a ton of thought into this, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. And I'm, I'm asking that it would be a good thing that you would speak to your people, that you would encourage us out of this passage that has encouraged your saints for centuries. Thank you. Thank you for promising joy, peace, and your rule and reign in our lives. Amen. I don't want to ruin the sermon, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and tell you that the child that is born to us, that's, that's Jesus. The son who is given, that's Jesus. And this is Isaiah talking about Jesus 700 years before Jesus. And talking about him that that light is going to dawn. That he's going to break in. And when the light breaks in on people living in darkness, they will have joy. Because I think when we say, oh, Jesus is light, he's the light of the world. It's like, well, what does that mean? 
What does that mean that we would live in the light? What difference will it make when the light dawns on those living in darkness? Well, he goes on to say that when the light breaks in, there'll be joy. When the light breaks in, it'll be characterized by peace. When the light breaks in, you'll have a new king in your life. Um, We're getting ready to do a Christmas Eve service, and I had to snag um, scriptures that we would read or say out loud during the Christmas service. And this, of course, is one of them. I just always, and you've probably always heard it edited down, right? We usually leave like um, the boots covered in blood. You know, some, some parts of it are just not as Christmas Eve as others, right? We start this here. We say, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Mighty, sorry, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And that's where it ends on Christmas Eve. And it ends on Christmas Eve because there's a lot of things that we don't understand in this passage. Things like Zebulun. Where is Zebulun and what does that mean? Well, it's next to Naphtali. Oh, thanks. That really, really starts to make sense for me. I want to unpack what's going on around uh, the part of the passage that we often hear, the prophecy about Jesus. It starts pretty clear, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. All right, clear enough. That's fairly straightforward. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. We usually skip this part because this is too much geography for us. But Isaiah is doing something really important here at the start. Can you go ahead and put the, the map up of the 12 tribes of Israel? I need a laser pointer pen. You'll notice that Naphtali and Zebulun are way towards the north. If you see the Sea of Galilee, I know I'm asking a lot of the gray hair in the back three rows, but if you can see the Sea of Galilee towards the north, you can see that Naphtali is right there in the middle, and right below in a darker blue is Zebulun. These countries were towards the north. And in the former times, this passage says, there was a shame over these countries. The Lord dealt with them in contempt. So, so the idea here is that every time an invading country would come, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, every time someone took it to Israel, they took it to Naphtali and Zebulun first. That's where every invading army would invade. That was always the first group hauled off because to the east it was desert, so they brought it down right right up the gut there and followed that fertile crescent so they could be near water. So those two countries were consistently and repeatedly trampled on foreigners would tread on these spots and what's being said here is that 
these two places, Zebulun and Naphtali, these places where foreigners have always come and just ransacked them, well, these same foreigners will be blessed by Naphtali and Zebulun. That they won't just be tread on. They will become a blessing to the nations. And this is wild because, listen, Naphtali and Zebulun, they were just a place along the way, right? Like um, we passed through Pixley on our way to Bakersfield, right? We just pass right through. And what's being said here is this area that they often just moved through and trampled on will actually become a destination, that the focus of the world will be on this area. And it'll be Galilee of the nations. And this is a bit of a play on words because, of course, it was Galilee of the nations. The nations always took it to Zebulun and Naphtali. And now it's going to be known as Galilee of the nations because the same place where foreigners would always invade is, is now going to bless those very same foreigners. Because if you notice, the sea of Galilee is up there. Jesus's ministry happened in and around there. And this is a bit of like, um, almost like a, a, a play on words to say it's Galilee of the nations. Have you ever seen a church in a small town and it's like church of the Acts chapter two of the Pentecost international, you know, and you're like, international really in Dinuba like international are you sure oh this is a bit of that where it's like these these places that have been often tread on it's preposterous to think that these small places would be a blessing to the nations but that's what's being said here in the former times this area was a doormat constantly being had but it's about to become a blessing to the nations when the sun comes and when the light breaks in let's move on to verse 2 the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them a light has Shown. And this is saying essentially the same thing, but in a more direct way that doesn't involve geography. In the people, or for the people who are gloomy, for the people who are heavy, they will see the glory. When the light breaks in, when the sun comes, those who are gloomy will see the glory. The people who have experienced great darkness will see the light. The people who are in anguish will experience salvation. And this is physically obvious for us, right? That those in light don't usually need a light, and those in darkness do. When you're looking at your phone and it's bright out, you need to turn the contrast way up in order to see it. But when it's dark out, you don't need to do that because light is seen best in the darkness. 
And what's being said here in a straightforward way is that those who are dwelling in darkness, for them, a light will shine. We know this about the stars too, right? Where there's, where there's light pollution, we can't see any stars. And we're like, I think that's one. And it's like, no, that's, that's a plane landing at, you know, in Fresno. You know, that, that's what happens when there's tons of light pollution. But when it's dark, we can see the stars. And that's what's being said here. For those who are gloomy, for those who are in the dark, a light will dawn. They will see something. So you can imagine what people are thinking about this, this Jesus, this Christ already. What kind of person is going to be drawn to this guy? You know, the people who are living in light are like, no, I don't need a light. I'm good, thanks. The people who think they're lit up are saying, no, I don't need that. But for those who know they're in darkness, for those who are in anguish, they need a light. And they'll be drawn to him when he comes. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. So the light is going to dawn. God's going to step in and do something through nations that are usually a doormat. What will happen? What will we experience when the sun comes? What will we experience when this child is, is given to us? An increase of joy. An increase of joy. And then he uses, and I, I think these are so helpful, but they mean nothing to us. You know, I take that back. There's probably some soldiers and some farmers in here. But he uses these illustrations to help us, these analogies to help us what the joy will be like when the light breaks in. He lists these two massive causes of joy. The celebration of harvest and taken spoil. Those, I mean, that would have meant a ton to those living in Isaiah's day, but what does it mean for us. Some of you farmers know that you invest loads of money, loads of time, and you have no idea what's going to happen. Not just with your trees or with your crop. You have no idea what's going to happen with the price of your crop. And you're sowing and you're sowing and you're hoping and you're hoping and you're waiting. And when the harvest happens, there is both a sense of delight and then a huge just sense of re- relief when this works out. Sowing, toiling, breaking up ground, planting, watering, believing, hoping. And when the harvest happens, there is an increase of joy. There's a sense of relief. There's a sense of delight. I was trying to think, what is it for us that when it comes into season, there is this sense of celebration? What is it for us? I don't know what this is for you. Maybe it's the new iPhone. The iPhone's out. It's, I, don't, I hope it's not that, but it might be. I know we, we all eat strawberries like during the winter, you know, but they're like huge, taste like nothing, and are white at the core, you know? And there is that moment where someone shows up at your house because you're hosting a dinner and they have strawberries from a stand. And then just pandemonium breaks out because it is strawberry season and they're no longer white on the inside. And we, we go hard for a few months, don't we? 
until those strawberries get really small. But there's, there's just a universal celebration when it comes into season. And, and, and that's what Isaiah is saying here. When the light breaks in, there will be a universal celebration of the season. And it'll be a sense of delight, and it'll be a huge sense of relief. And then he uses another image to help us understand the type of joy that we're going to experience. And it's that we're glad when they divide the spoil. That again, when you've been warring, when you've been at war, when you've been fighting, there is a sense of delight. I'm guessing I've never been in a war. I've had some relational issues. And there is great relief and delight when I am through that or over it. But I can imagine the type of delight, the type of celebration that would happen when you found out that the war is over, you'd been victorious, and now it was just time to gather the spoil. I went and saw Hacksaw Ridge last week, which I would recommend, not as a date. Um, I had to go with Mark and Jared because Tiffany won't see that stuff with me. And uh, is Tiff here? And, uh, you know, it, it just, without giving away the movie, because you really should watch it, it's a true, true story or some part of it, I don't know what part of it, but it's a true story, and I mean, I mean the guy's just given it all he's got, and uh, it's evident, and there are just large parts of the movie where I found myself holding my breath. I left the movie with a headache because I was holding my breath for stretches of time and you just want it to be over it just needs to be over but the bombs keep coming and the war keeps going and then of course there is that moment at the end of the movie where there is both delight and relief because they say to him we've taken the ridge and we're going home that's the end of the movie I ruined it You knew that anyway. They didn't make a movie about a bunch of guys who just died. That's what, it, that's what it's going to be like. For those who have been working, for those who have been waiting, there's going to be joy, there's going to be harvest, there's going to be spoil, there's going to be spring. And that's what's being said here in these verses that we often skip. It's also going to mean not just a joy, not just a delight and a relief that comes. It's going to mean a new peace. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. You want to know what it'll be like when the light breaks in? There'll be great peace. It'll be characterized. It'll be a time of, of peace. The tools of the oppressor, the tools of oppression, the things that once enslaved you are being removed from you. And in verse 5, there's like a bonfire of boots. A bonfire of boots. Like all, all the stuff they've gathered up. <laughs> there's just a, a big pile now because it is a time of peace. In fact, he says, you, know, you want to know what it'll be like here? I'll help you. I helped you with the picture of harvest. I helped you with the picture of gathering spoil. Let me help you again. It'll be like the day of 
Midian. And this is a story in Israel's history about the Midianites trying to take Israel. And God raised up this guy named Gideon. You've heard this story before? God raised up Gideon. He was a weak man, and God raised him up on behalf of Israel. And then when God finally talks Gideon into going to war, he, he gathers up 32,000 people. And he says, all right, I'm a timid man, but I got 32,000 people, and I, I'm ready to go. And God says, wait, 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 wait. I want you to take only 300 men up against tens of thousands of Midianites. Man, this, this has happened to you too, huh? So God tells him, hey, for every 100 guys you've got, just go ahead and send 99 home. And then let's do battle. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And Gideon, we're actually not going to carry those weapons. Those weapons you worked hard to round up. Not, don't leave those guys behind. And then leave those weapons behind that you worked really hard to round up. What I want you to do is I want you to take a torch. I want you to take a jar. And I want you to take a trumpet. And I want you to circle up on top of the hills with those 300 men that you've gathered. And when I say, I want you to blow the trumpet and I want you to break the jars. I mean, at this point, I mean, the reason it's in our Bible is because this is amazing that he was obedient in this way. And he does what, God's, what God asks him to do. They stand on the hill. They blow their trumpets. They smash their jars. And the Midianites are thrown into pandemonium. And they massacre one another thinking that they are under attack. The darkness turns on itself. You want to know what it's going to be like when the sun comes? When this child is given? When the light breaks in? (laughs) God's going to do something. The enemy is actually going to turn on himself. If he knew what he was doing, he wouldn't have done it. Darkness is going to turn on itself. And like in that day, the people of God will be delivered, but not because of anything that they did. Can you imagine some jackweed being like, did you see how loud I broke my jar? (laughs) That probably killed like a thousand guys, you know? Like, shut up. Shut up. It just sounded off on that trumpet right now, man. That probably, if there was pandemonium there, it was because I brought the thunder with my trumpet. You know, I'd be like, you idiot. God moved on our behalf. We couldn't do it. We were downsized to 300, sent up the hill with kazoos. God moved. You know what it's going to be like when the light breaks in? When the sun comes? God's going to move. And there won't be anyone standing there thinking, did you see how I cracked my jar and the difference it made? No, God worked on our behalf. It's a time of peace because darkness has turned on itself and God has delivered us. Isaiah has a lot to say about the topic of of peace and he uses these uh, beautiful images of these animals um, laying down with one another, um, you know, animals that are usually would, would, would eat one another. 
But the other thing is in chapter 2, he talks about people taking their swords and turning them into pruning hooks. Because what are we going to do with these swords? Let's uh, take them and use them as something we can harvest with. This is really cool. There's different artists doing stuff like this around the world. But this is a guy who collected quite a bit of guns in a slum in Mexico and then he melted the guns down and he made shovels and he now uses those shovels to plant trees in that community that was destroying itself. Different statues that you've probably seen where they use AK-47s to make something to memorialize a war but to melt it down. This is the best picture I could get of what's happening here. This is what Isaiah is saying is that someday they're going to turn their stuff in there's going to be a boot bonfire. And that stuff's going to be melted down to make shovels. And those shovels are going to be used to plant things in a time of peace. This is what it's going to be like when the sun comes and when the light breaks in. Every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult. Every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. It's just a beautiful picture of this boot bonfire and the peace that comes as a result of this child. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This is tremendous. I I don't think that Isaiah knows what he's saying right now. I just, I don't know. He could correct me when we get to heaven. But I think he's just completely caught up in the spirit. How, How, how is he thinking that this child would be called mighty God? Like, how's he, how's he connecting the dots in his head? I'm not sure that he is. I think he's caught up in the spirit and he's prophesying. This child, this son, this human being will be called mighty God. There'll be something about his rule. There'll be something about his righteousness and justice that will cause people to think about the God of Israel, that he will reveal the God of Israel. A wonderful counselor. Man, that is so, so amazing. I, again, we don't just get new joy and new peace. We get new joy and new peace because we get a new king. We get a new authority in our life. We get new leadership in our lives. We get to give up leading our own lives and we get to trust his leadership. What a description of him and how he rules as a new king. The people aren't just delivered from darkness. They're delivered from darkness because they see a new king. Wonderful counselor. If you were a part of Israel's history, at this point, um, you've got no hope in kings. If you read the Bible, there are some exceptions, but for the most part, kings are clowns. And you have no hope in them. And I think that's what made probably this last election Difficult is because we know there are some serious problems, that things are in chaos, and you didn't like either of your options to deliver us from the state that we're in. Really? I've got to trust you to do something about what we're facing 
really? I've got to trust you to do something about what we're facing? You didn't like your odds with either person making a difference in the situations that we're facing. The kings in those days were clowns. And he says, this king, this new king that comes, will lead with righteousness and justice. He'll be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. That means that this time of joy and peace is not going away. It will continue to grow. Because it's not just a feeling of joy and peace. It's not just a new emotion. This is a new king on an everlasting throne. And it will not go away. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. This will keep marching. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. I just wanted to have a time of prayer as we close. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord. I would suggest that most of us are fighting hard to get a plan because we're fighting for joy, a sense of peace, and to be in control. And I felt like there was a real opportunity for us to surrender, to pick up our plan and rip it up so that you don't ruin Christmas with your expectations, with planning on people bringing you joy, planning on people bringing you peace, and planning on being boss. (laughs) Let's just give up on that this morning, yeah? Would you stand with me? Father, we come uh, to a place where we open our hands. We want to uh, thank you and, and recognize your plan, your plan from the beginning to bring us a new king, to bring us joy, to bring us peace. And uh, we know in this time, right now, as we wait for Jesus' second coming, we actually have a choice. We have a choice to receive his rule in our lives. But there will come a day when it's mandatory and there will no longer be a choice. So we are those right now. We want to choose you now. We want to choose you now. We're tired of working for our own joy and experiencing diminishing returns. We're tired of working for our own peace and it getting worse. And we're tired of being boss, and so we just surrender the throne of our lives. And we ask that you'd fill us with joy and fill us with peace this season. Where there's just frustration and we're looking at the people around us to meet needs in us. We just want to stop all that. We want to ask that you'd come. Everlasting Father. The Father who's not going away. Wonderful Counselor. Would you help us? Prince of peace, the prince of wholeness, visit us. Visit our our broken lives. Visit our broken homes. Visit our broken family. Prince of wholeness. We just trust the zeal of the Lord to accomplish this. We've honestly at times just run out of zeal. We, We don't even have it in us to try again this year. Whoever wants to come can just come to dinner because I'm tired of trying.
We just need that, Lord. We need your zeal in us. So would you awaken our hearts? We get our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. And everybody said, amen. I have a sense of relief and delight right now because that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be based on yesterday. This is a time of celebration. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time. There is a heavenly city that I'm compelled to find. Oh, I love the flowers and trees and the smell of the grinding sea and all the beautiful things here in life.